Norman Robertson has his family. Billy, breakfast. Good morning, dear. Hey, Kev. Oh. Supposed to catch it, son. We're gonna have a nice family breakfast. And he has his dreams. Freeze! Put your hands behind your back and spread them. I said spread them. Detective Jake Stone is the toughest cop on the force. With an attitude to match. I hate him. He hates me, sir. Hates everybody. But when a dangerous criminal moves next door. Your home is the perfect cover for an effective stakeout, Mr. Robertson. Wow. The cops have to move in with. Book him, Dano. The Robertsons. Mr. Robertson! Now, the Robertsons are trying to adjust. <laughs> The cops are learning new rules. Jake, be happy more the law. And Norman, he's an idiot, is having his dream come true. Breaker, breaker, this is man from Uncle. TriStar Pictures presents Chevy Chase. You be good cop, I'll be bad cop. You are not a cop. Jack Palance. I'm sorry, my son bit your neck and tried to suck your blood. It happens. And Diane Weist. Drop that gun and don't make mommy tell you twice. Cops and Robertsons. You talking to me? You talk me? And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Thank you for hitting the download, and welcome to another episode of When Did That Come Out? Today, we will be looking at the month of April in 1994. We are going to be looking at the Chevy Chase, Jack Ponce's film, Cops and Robertsons. I am Charlie Stabile, and joined, of course, is by, by my best friend, William Rankin. Will, how you doing? Doing well, man. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, certainly wasn't when this movie was over uh cops and robertson's uh well was this one of the movies did you see this in the theater or was this like a rental no i saw it in the theater man my mom took us to see this uh, you saw this in the theater yeah the you're a part of the eight million dollar domestic gross holy cow yeah um wow did you go with your mom yeah, she took us yeah she took me my sister i forget like if there's anyone else yeah we went and saw this like on a friday or saturday yeah what was the general consensus? Do you remember? Uh, I mean, I feel like it was just sort of like, eh, it's fine. You know, like it's it's the kind of, you know, seeing a movie with your with your family, you know, in the theater, it's, it's still during that time period where, like, I don't really dislike anything I've seen in the theater. But obviously some things are, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things that stick out, you know, are, are, well, generally it's either, eh, it's fine or it's awesome. But there's usually nothing that's like, oh, right. Well, this is this wasn't fun or something like that. So, I mean, it's hard because like I I'll be honest, what I this felt like pretty much watching it for the first time in a lot of ways. Was this the first time you've seen it since the theater? Yeah, it'll be the last as well. Oh, I believe it'll be mine too. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So let let's talk about uh, Chevy Chase for a little bit. So Chevy Chase, I believe it was around this time that he had his late night show. Um. Uh, that was in competition with the tonight show. And I, I want to say it only lasted six weeks. 
and if you've ever looked it up on YouTube, I mean, it is brutal. It's really bad. And there's a lot of people who I've, I've read who try to defend it and say that, oh, it was Chevy doing a satire of what a late night show was. No, 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 it's not. Like, this is Chevy Chase. Like, this is who he is. He's an absolute prick <laughs> for the most part. Uh, I always love, like, the, do you remember his uh, Comedy Central row? And how nobody showed up for it. Like, he was basically roasted by complete strangers. And they, they said, like, right. they, that was a really bad night for him, apparently. Um, you ever want to see something really painful? Jesus, that interview he did. He did one interview that was awful with uh, Jim Varney, you know, Ernest, mm. uh, on that late night show. It's painful, man. It is so bad. Because uh, Chevy just keeps making, like, redneck and incest jokes. And it's like, dude, the. Jim Carrey's got an IQ, or Jim Varney's got like an IQ of 160. Like, he's probably smarter than you, but still, this was Chevy, kind of like in a middling part of his career. Uh, this was what after Memoirs of an Invisible Man, I believe that came out in '92, and um, dude, God, he had done nothing but trouble back in '90. So like, there was certainly a downward spiral going on with his career, and on the flip side of that. Jack Palance, who kind of meandered through the 80s doing just taking on strange roles that seemed like he was in it for the money. But then he did City Slickers and gave it a, a really good performance and won an Oscar for it. And it kind of boosted him back up. Unfortunately, it didn't really boost him back up in terms of like a dramatic actor like what he was known for. But no, he kind of got saddled with some of these comedy roles. And this was one that seemed like a slam dunk. And maybe with the right script or the right co-star... Maybe it could have worked. Um, well, have you uh, like this might seem like a stupid question, but I actually know people that don't think that Chevy is. Uh, do you find Chevy Chase to be funny or did you ever find him funny at any time? Yeah, I mean, Chevy's got two characters he plays really well. It's Fletch and Clark Griswold and everything else seems to counter all his other characters revolve in those orbits of what degree of Fletch is he going to play in this movie? Or if he's going to be a bumbling moron, is he going to have what degree of Clark Griswold is he going to do? Those are two really good characters. Like Those are really good characters that he plays. And I think he's extremely funny. Fletch is an amazing 80s comedy. But like the problem is, once he steps out of that, out of, outside of that persona, like it just it's hit and miss of whether or not it really carries over. Because, I'm sorry, I know people love Community or whatever. Isn't that what he was on? Uh, but yeah. like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not that in. I'm not that enthused to go out and seek it out because I just. There really came a point where I just I, I I stopped finding him entertaining to go, you know, seek out and find some of his his stuff. You know, like that's why I was like, oh, he's going to be in the vacation remake. No desire, none at all, to go oh, see, see him. It? No, no, it's terrible. Yeah. And and he's he's bad in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say. Like, the last time I thought he was any good, uh, I do like the Vegas Vacation movie, but I think his last really strong performance was in Dirty Work. Yeah, and there you go. Uh, There's one that... McDonald. Yeah. That, he's he's fantastic in that movie. Granted, it's a supporting role. Like, that was the last time I really thought he was genuinely funny, and that's after this movie. Uh, to get into it a little bit, Cops and Robertson, it's, it's the basic, the stranger has to move in with uh, a suburban family that isn't doing too hot and he manages to fix the family type movies like they, these are a dime a dozen at least they used to be they don't tend to make this much anymore um, and if they were all like cops and robertsons i would understand why 
So uh, Chevy Chase plays a middle-aged father who is not really secure in his fatherhood. Uh, he's he's very unsure of himself, but he loves cop shows. And, like, and that's kind of like an under underlying thing is that maybe the reason it's, it's kind of an undeveloped part of the script is that maybe the reason he's not such a good father or he's not such a good husband is because he's so obsessed with 60s and 70s cop shows and it's only briefly touched upon and then it just becomes a point of hilarity even though like, we talked about this off air this was one of the strangest things to be obsessed with I think for somebody like in the 90s uh, before streaming before VHS or sorry before DVD during VHS but knowing like the names of cop shows the names of episodes and seasons certain scenes were from this is a very odd thing this isn't like being a star trek fan where, where there's books and, and 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 conventions of fandom you know like i i don't remember too many tj hooker conventions or anything like that so basically a um a counterfeiter moves in next door played by robert davy and, and he's also a murderer they need the cops need to stake out this house so they send in some guy I've never seen before, and Jack Palance, who plays the old grizzled veteran that's supposed to remind Chevy of the cops that he loved watching all through his life. Sounds like it should be a decent time at the movies. Sounds like it should work. Uh, but for whatever reason, it doesn't. Uh, Will, do you have any thoughts as to why this movie doesn't work or ways that you would improve it? I would improve it by putting it in the trash can and never making it. Uh, it sucks. This movie sucks. <laughs> This is a garbage, horrible, freaking movie. Um, I hate that this is the April movie. Like, God dang it. This is just... We should have done with honors. <laughs> in, in hindsight... We probably should have done <laughs> But, alright, so... Thoughts about, it, like... This movie certainly has a pro. Like, there, there are two major problems. A, it sets up things that never really pays off. B... It doesn't have a really strong narrative. It's built around bits, a few bits, and they just run way too long. This movie's 90 minutes, 93 minutes, something like that. I forget exactly. But Is it's, it? It's something like, like 90 hours. Yeah, it really does. Like, it does go on way too long. Like, here's one thing it sets up. It sets up another great uh, cliche we see in, in movies where it's like, uh-oh, the grizzled cop's got to go to Pleasantville, USA, and he has to infiltrate, you know. The thing is, they set up with these exterior shots. Of, oh, look at all the houses. They all look exactly the same. This is a neighbor that sells a milkman. It's got a paperboy with dead-on accuracy that never seems to smash milk. This kid is amazing. But the thing is, we never meet any other family. We never really see how other people view the Robertsons. You know, like, there's this whole thing they kind of are, are, are walking around, tiptoeing around this whole this whole plot of, oh, wow, this is this really weird uh, neighborhood that we live in where everything is, you know, picket fences and everything is just perfect. But, you know, it only seems to be like the Robertsons are the only, prop, or the only family that seems to have problems. But we never really find a way to truly relate to them because we don't see any other family that has it absolutely perfect. We hear them honk their horns maybe once or twice, but we never see them. So, and his obsession with the cop movies or the cop shows, I think he's crazy. Like, I wrote this many times. Is he crazy? Yes. This man is insane. With the way he just conducts himself in everyday life. <laughs> There's a, just a lot of just... It's like, very possible. And the number one thing that's just He's absolutely dumb. awful is a moronic villain. A villain that's just an idiot. Because I can't take him seriously. 
Well, it's really that 15-minute sequence where uh, Chevy has to go over, or he decides to go over to the house to help him jump a car, and then goes into the bad guy's house, and it's just, like, Chevy can play an idiot really well, so I, I don't necessarily think this is his fault. This has got to be the stupidest character he has ever played. In fact, I would go as far as to say, with the exception of Jack Palance, I think Every character in this movie is a complete moron. Even the children. Yeah. Like, n- nothing makes sense. Like, from like A to B plotting, Chevy going in the house, like you said, the bad guy is such a moron. Like, Chevy, he's, he clearly knows where the bathroom is. He goes upstairs and uses, doesn't even use a bathroom and starts, like, going through shit. It's really when he tears open that mattress. Oh, my God. That I just absolutely lost my mind. You know, it's like, this guy is a moron. And it's not an endearing moron like Clark Griswold or, or even his character from um, Caddyshack. It's like, this is on a whole other level, like, of, of being completely and utterly unlikable. And, and, and you brought up a great point. Uh, something I didn't think about is how the characters interact with, uh, like, people in the neighborhood. Like, I really would like to see what it would be, be like for that little kid from Kindergarten Cop to go to his school dressed as a vampire. Yeah, but I would like to see how he inter- I bet he gets bullied every single day. I think there's a very interesting movie there, and that's the thing. Usually in movies like this, you get to see that the the the, the outsider character doesn't just inspire the father; he inspires the, usually the entire family to better themselves. And we don't get to see that. And then the unrealistic aspect of that child character. Oh, like he he just sleeps in the coffin. He's a vampire. Just let him do it. What? Like, this just feels like we got to make this interesting. This feels like scripting that just, like, they could not figure out what to do with all these kids. Which leads me to my, one of my points. How could this movie have been better? I think there's a, lot, a bunch of interesting ways to make this go about itself in a much more palatable and interesting fashion. For instance, just make it a, I almost swore, there you just go. make it a vacation movie. Just uh-huh. make it a vacation movie. Eliminate one of the idiot kids, bring in Beverly D'Angelo. The boom! You don't even have to have like the original actors playing the you know, the Griswold kids. It's just the same right there, and you eliminate that cop show obsession that Chevy has. And boom! Like, let's have Clark Griswold in here. Like it would it's it would be such a better idea like to do something like that if if you want to just completely eliminate Chevy and Palance. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't. I honestly think the same year uh, we skipped over it. We didn't choose it, but City Slickers Two came out this year. And I honestly think if you had just gotten rid of that movie and that movie never existed, just pair up, just find another excuse to pair up Jack Palance with Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal could have played this part really well. Granted, I think most of this movie's problems rely on the script, but I think Billy could have improvised a better script, basically, than whatever this came out to be. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, much more preferable to Junior. This could have been great for them. This could have been the third stakeout movie. (laughs) Like, Like, there's... So many ways that this concept could have paid off, but it just seems like a matter of, well, Chevy kind of needs a hit. Jack was in City Slickers. That was a big hit. Like, maybe, like, we can just do that. We, we just, if we just take these two big name actors and put them together, it'll, be, it'll make money. This is the kind of movie that feels like it's specifically designed and created to make money. Like, it feels like a computer wrote this movie. And the, the ironic thing is, it didn't make Jack didn't do anything um and another problem with the flick that i have this is a comedy am i wrong oh i thought it was that rhetorical because you're right it is supposed to be funny no Uh, like is this that's not rhetorical okay 
I think it's supposed to be a comedy. Yeah, is this a comedy? The poster definitely uh, tells uh, me it's a comedy. Yeah, and the the title tells me it's a comedy. But even so, like even when I'm watching a comedy that's not funny, I can always tell when they're going for the laugh. And I'm like, that's just not funny. Mm-hmm. They're not going for the laugh a whole lot here. Or at least I don't think they are. I mean, if this is what's what is what constitutes as funny, uh, I have no idea. And what the hell is Diane Weiss doing in this movie? Man, while we're on the subject, this is the why don't we just? This is a big problem in this movie. Diane Weist, it's wildly inconsistent. What She drops this monologue early in the movie that comes out of left field that seems like it's it, it should be saved for either later in the movie or it's set up by something earlier on in the movie. Something like, something like that. Because she talks about, like, this family isn't perfect, but we find, but find a way to make it, ha- make it happen. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's this... It's this whole thing that's selling, like, okay, we live in the neighborhood that looks absolutely perfect, but we got problems underneath. Gotcha. Right on. Why is this so intense here in the beginning? This is a comedy, back to what you said. This is really intense. And then, like, later on, there's this... I I, I wrote this out, like, blow for blow, because it's just hysterical. He's laying in the bed watching whatever cop show. She tries to talk to him about how the kids are responding well to Jake. I think her line is... Um. Okay. Diane Wee says Jake should talk to their son about smoking because, quote, he respects him. Norm doesn't take kindly to it. She then snaps. <laughs> she then says he listens to Jake. Norm, once again, not really receptive. She just gives up and tries to have sex with him while he's watching TV. Like, it's... <laughs> What a series of events. <laughs> it's it's just weird. Like like and then like they go for the ultimate, like, oh she's the badass at the end, she's gonna hold the gun up and blah 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 and she's She doesn't do anything. Boy, she doesn't need to be in this movie. No. Two time Academy Award winner. She's she literally has just double the Oscars that uh, Jack Palance has. <laughs> yes. And she's completely ineffectual. And I agree. It's just and how dumb is she d- during that cat sequence with oh, the closet? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that was a cat. And you can tell, just, like, this is one of those times where I know they're going for a laugh. Because Chevy usually can do this kind of humor really well. Uh, like, this is very similar to something that you would see in one of the Fletch movies. And it's painfully unfunny. Diane Weiss just is, a, is completely oblivious to anything that's going on around her. It gets down to the point where these characters aren't acting like human beings at all. Like, did humans even write this movie? Like, I love that Jack Palance's name is Jake Stone. You might as well have named him Jack Palance. It, it's the same. It's basically the same name. Like it sounds the same. It's like, well, that sounds like a cop named Jake Stone. You know, just like, oh my god, this freaking script. Um, what? What else? Jesus. Uh, th- I always kind of considered this movie coupled with City Slickers too. Like as quickly as Jack Palance kind of came back into the limelight, he almost just as quickly went back down. Uh, like the, those are the last two real mainstream movies I remember him making were, were, were this and City Slickers too, and uh, I, I don't maybe he stepped away. I want to say I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I know he started doing TV movies and you know eventually died in the 2000s. But like Chevy, I mean, I'll give him credit. He held on for a little while. Like I remember he came out with uh, Man of the House like the next year, and it was like, nope, this isn't this doesn't work either, and. Let's all right, let's talk about let's talk about the side police character 
Jack Collins' partner, and more, and more specifically, the daughter uh, of the household. Because So basically, Ch- Chevy and Diane have three children, two boys, girl. The girl's in high school. That's pretty much all that's said about her age. Yet she starts screwing around with the other cop that's in the house, and nobody seems to have a problem with it. Like, even if she was 18, Chevy and Diane just, nah, whatever. No one acts like a human being in this movie. Like, you don't think that's weird? Like, these people, these cops are legitimately living in your house. And you don't care that your daughter was probably screwing around with this guy. Oh, God. Yeah, when the cop, when, when the partner, that, that, he walks through the house with his pants open. Like, who does this in a stranger's house? <laughs> and with the knowledge that Diane Weiss doesn't know that they're in the house. <laughs> Like, he knows that today's the day that Chevy's going to tell her that, oh, by the way, honey, we have to have cops living with us. I'm just going to strut out there. I also don't think he knows how to shave. No. (laughs) When I was watching him shave, I was like, I don't think this guy's ever shaved. (laughs) No. No, I don't think he has either. And, like, for a PG movie, this Michael Ritchie seems really obsessed with this kid's ass. Oh, yeah. We see it in, like, three or four shots. And it's just like, Jesus, I, I get it. I get it. And, and, and like you said to me <laughs> yesterday, just, and what's the, uh, what's the punchline here? Oh, he, uh, he has a boner. The yeah, girl sleeps naked warm, in warm. a bed. What, like, what planet are we on where we just like walk in? Like, yeah, we got high school girls that just sleep nude in the bed. What? The f- oh yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. Put me in that universe. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, like there's nothing realistic. Uh, about this movie at all and of course like like so in these types of movies you always have like the weakling husband type character uh he always has his own his own stuff that he has to deal with and he he will eventually learn to overcome them due to the help of the stranger and his intellect in this case it's a waiter that makes him a bagel (laughs) and (laughs) he puts way too much cream cheese on there and and he just very like I just want butter, no cream cheese. I mean, what, bagel, cream cheese. It's it's terrible. So Chevy accidentally uh, at, at some point steals Jack Pounce's um, his his badge, and he and after getting cream cheese on his bagel one too many times, just decides to play cop in the Pulp Fiction diner and arrest this waiter and puts him like in the car, and then Jack shows up. And this is where like some of the logical inconsistencies of the movie come in, where Jack, Jack Pounce is like, oh, you just ruined my career. We're both going to go to jail. You can't impersonate an officer. Chevy, who had earlier in the movie seen Officer Steve Austin uh, <laughs> swipe a card, <laughs> swipe a card, like a real, like he watches real cop shows, too. He swipes a, like uh, an identification card. A photo ID and all the information about the suspect will come up. Chevy happens to have this guy's ID while he's in the police car and he just swipes it just to see what happens and all these crimes come up. Grand Theft Auto this, that, this, that. But the one thing that's never mentioned is that there is a warrant out for this guy's arrest. So that leads me to believe that whatever these crimes are, he's either already served time for them or he's or he's done community service or something. He's just trying to make some money. Leave him alone. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> like, Chevy a, oh, arrests him because he gets bad service. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then, where did he get these thumb cuffs? Like, what are those? I, it just, I, I just have thumb cuffs on me. Well, I guess that was at the scene that we'll, you know, we'll never 
or know about. So then he shows the paper to Jack Pounce, and Pounce is like, ooh. You know, he just starts doing all that Jack Pounce stuff, and it's like, um, he's still impersonated an officer. If, if this if this criminal, if, if, he's, if he has this many offenses against him, he's obviously had a lawyer at some point. So all he has to do is get a lawyer, and this whole thing can be thrown out. Oh, no yes. Problem. And, like, any any idiot lawyer, even the moron from my cousin Vinny, could could get this off. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that I don't think he's wanted for any of these crimes. <laughs> no, I think that's the that's the thing we're talking about. Like I don't I didn't see it either because I was like, this guy doesn't seem like he's really an active criminal. Yeah, he stole some cars. All right, I got you. He stole some cars in his past. He's a reformed citizen. I mean, come Have on. A wheel. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You know the craziest part, though, is like this is a heightened situation that probably takes place over the course of a couple hours. From Chevy going in there, he goes in there. Yes. The, the incident goes down, and then they they have like everyone's out in the parking lot. Like this is a pretty high because the guy drops the "I'm suing you, I'm suing your department." It's the biggest meathead moron. And then after all it's said and done, Chevy goes back in there to have a meal. That's insane. Like, he sits in the same exact seat yeah. with the same Joker behind him. Like, everybody was like, well, looks like we've all seen what we need to see here. Let's go back to our food. No! This place, no! No, 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 no. Like, even if the establishment was still open, what human being is like, you know what? I'm going to go have another meal. Another meal? To hell with work. This day... <laughs> like... Yeah, for one thing, like, this guy goes to work on a Friday, and I swear there's, like... like I feel like a week passes in between Friday and Monday. The time jumps. Like, the day that starts, like, this all happens in one day. He wakes up, it's Jake's birthday. And then, of course, he sulks because everybody loves Jake and they think he's a pathetic piece of crap. And so he Which goes, he is. yes. And he goes and sits on the couch and he sulks. And then he goes and leaves for a while. The incident happens at the diner. When you're watching the time of day, it feels like 36 hours are in this day. Yeah, no, no, you're right, and and like let, let's talk about that. Like, just what a piece of crap uh, Norman Robert Robertson is, because like it's funny how it's not that different from Clark Griswold, yet it's extremely different. Like you, you, when you have an idiot character, like like the kind that Chevy usually plays, the trick is to get us to like it is to give him at least one really endearing quality, and and he's got a a, a killer. Of, of a quality in the vacation movies and that's that he loves his family and he will do anything for them at, at, at no cost like he that's what that's basically what he lives for is, is for his family and this movie doesn't really give him anything like not one thing that you can really grasp onto they try kind of fabricate this weird heart-to-heart moment with the kid the vampire like when they're sitting on the couch and the kid like has this weird moment of introspection where he's like, uh, I have sad days too. And I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Just it, where is this movie going? And, and Chevy's like, Oh, is that right? Hmm. Like it, it doesn't even come close to the heart to heart conversation that he has with Rusty in the first vacation movie where they share a beer. Like it doesn't even come close to that. Yeah. And, it, it, and it should like Chevy is capable of doing really good work, or at least he was. And it's just frustrating 
It's extremely frustrating. And yeah, like, so this deal, like, let's talk about this. So the stakeout. So they're supposed to go in and do the stakeout and what, leave every morning at like six o'clock? Because like within one day, Chevy screws it all up by saying that Jack Palance is like his brother. Mm-hmm. And, and and he manages to call out both of the cops that are staying in the house on the first day. And Robert Davey meets both of them and doesn't think that anything weird's going on at all. And then, and then Jack Palance is all upset because they have to stay in the house. Well, what's the plan? Like, because it's not like the movie stakeout where they have, like, alternating teams. These are the only guys. Shouldn't they technically be there the entire time anyway? Right, right. There right. is no second team. Like, it just, it boggles the mind is what it does. Like, like, I, like I told you out there, best part is when the kid from Free Willy walks in with a Van Hagar shirt. <laughs> that, I, I completely Dude, mark out for that. That kid is smoking Marlboro Reds. <laughs> oh, that's pretty hardcore. My God. <laughs> Um, I yeah, was gonna, yeah. He means business. Yeah. There, the, there's one scene that's supposed to be heartwarming, heartwarming, right? Like so. Eventually, there's supposed to be a scene where the idiot guy and the hard cop have to bond, right? They have to bond somehow. Well, then they try to do this scene where they're sitting in the room and they start singing, and Palance punts immediately on singing. Like he's like, "I'll just say a couple no. words and I'm done." And <laughs> he sang for Billy Crystal in City Slickers, but he won't sing for Chevy Chase. Like, I thought that was really interesting because that's one of the great scenes in City Slickers is, is Palance, because that's Palance opening up. And then I guess they kind of looked at that movie and went, well, that's how we'll get him to open up here. We'll have him sing a song with Chevy. Palance just, he, it's not even, I don't even think it's acting. It really doesn't seem like he's, he wants to do it. Right. He, he, he seems annoyed. And, Oh God! And like the finale of the movie, like I don't even remember how this really go- like goes. About- oh, that's right. The idiot kid is like like standing outside, and then like Robert Davy basically kidnaps the whole family, and like Jesus, like the gr- the the daughter and the and the other cop are like on on lovers lane about to like like trade bullets with the, each other. The, I I have and, never. All right, now. Well, all right. I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm, I'm, I, I, your reaction is gonna be priceless. I already know it. When does a, a scene like, all right, we're gonna go and uh, we know where we're going here for. That's exactly we we don't, we get in the cars. Oh, we know. We know where we're going. But then like, it escalates to what are you afraid of? It's like I'm afraid of the moral implications of your dress. Hey, do you want to check out bullets in my gun? <laughs> what? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was I was like, is this your first time in a parked car, you dick? Like it. it <laughs> It was really like, you're really going to pull out a gun now? Like, Jesus Christ, like, wrong gun. You, oh, I, I was I was floored. But once again, these are not human beings. No. Like, these these are absolutely not human beings. And, and I also love that she hides bullets in her mouth. You, whoa! Just, you know, <laughs> like, how long does she hold those bullets in her mouth? It's just like, jeez. <laughs> like, 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 that's really... Yeah, what's your name? You know, just, it's, it's it's crazy. And then Chevy has a moment where he's like, oh, I can finally do some hero stuff. And it is some of the most unfunny physical comedy oh, I've ever seen man. in a movie. Like, the, the whole sequence where he tries... Th- this would have worked in a vacation movie, because I feel like I saw it in a vacation movie, where he's running up the stairs mm-hmm. with, the, with, the, uh, with the anchor, mm-hmm. and he just keeps getting caught, and he keeps trying to be bumbling, and it's like, there's a, there's a sense of control with it, where it's like, yeah, all, all physical comedy should be controlled in some way, but when it actually just feels 100% choreographed the entire time, oh, it's really painful to watch. And Chevy flying into the house, I, uh, oh my God, 
what is his plan here? So, so, so my family is being held hostage by two men with guns. I'm going to go diving through the window on a rope. What's, what are you going to do after that? Right. They still have the guns. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's not even like it's not even like you're going through the window on the opposite side of the house. You're literally going to end up standing right where your family's standing in front of the guns. So let's back up and talk about what's the whole what's what's supposed to be going down here. So Robert Davies a counterfeiter. And the right. whole reason that they stumble onto doing this stakeout in the first place is that alleged so supposedly the guy he double crossed once or has been enemies with now they're gonna do a deal together and that's right. where palance and new york undercover whatever his name is i guess decide, they kiss and made up yeah <laughs> they're gonna go hang out and watch this but all the while and then we learn later with the second guy you know whatever his name is um both him and robert davy are gonna double cross each other again so it's like a double cross then double cross it's I feel like it's Jonesy all over again from in, like um, Indiana Jones. Oh, Mac. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that the, here are the things I find funny. First of all, Robert Davy wears flip flops to a drop. I told you this yesterday. Ridiculous. <laughs> Number two, do you need to do target practice when you're shooting a watermelon at point blank range? What? What do you need to do that for? That's like dunking on the three foot goal. All right, what's the point? What are we doing here? <laughs> like, are, are we what are we testing That's the a good point. what are we testing here? The soundproof capabilities? Well, who's gonna come tell you if it was good or not, pal? Um, you know, like this, and and like you said, man, it's when Chevy comes into his house, starting off with let's jump a car and then immediately turn it off. Like, who does that? Like, yeah, you're not, oh man, I oh, <laughs> and then it's just really dumb. And then how it's he really dumb. Yeah, um, it's it, I don't know what's dumber that or the fact that Jack Palance has obviously never seen a lawnmower in his life. Oh my god! Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, this is okay. This is another one of those scenes that is trying to go for a laugh, and it's with Diane Weiss like trying to talk to him. She goes, "It's not very attractive," and I'm like, "You're married to Norman Robertson." <laughs> yeah. What exactly is your level of attractiveness or or or, or, or your bar? Because Jack Palance, like, I guess on paper, this is this should be funny. Jack Palance from Shane, like the Western icon, is trying to mow the lawn, and he just can't do it with a lawnmower from, like, the 1940s. And it's just not working out for him. And it's so painful. And, and, and here's the thing, too. Why does he even agree to do it? Like, there's <laughs> right. a whole scene where they're talking about it. Like, oh, Jake will mow the lawn for you. I don't mow lawns. But and guess like, what he – but, Charlie, you know what he will do? He can install a toilet. Yes. What? He, install, he starts fixing things around the house. He doesn't know how to mow the lawn, but apparently he was a plumber before he was a police officer. Like, <sighs> what bonkers nonsense is this movie? It's 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 crap. It's just complete and utter crap. And, and like, so the ending happens. Usually in these types of movies, one or two things happens. Either a they shake hands, they find a mutual agreement between each other, the two buddies, and they move on. Like, they never see each other again. Or, usually, the stranger actually becomes a member of the family. And much fun in a movie like Cops and Robertson's when they go with that, specifically when it feels like it absolutely, 100% hasn't been earned. Because they start showing us photo albums during the credits. of uh, Apparently, the daughter gets married to the guy. 
who there is no way he's a cop for long after this. I mean, age doesn't come up. Nothing like that comes up. Like, I love that the, the, a movie like this, we really don't know a whole lot about this family. Like, it doesn't really feel like Chevy can really conquer anything now. And he's not really become a better father. Like, I guess he became a better father by flying through the window. That was the way he would prove it, uh, which is not the way that these types of movies are supposed to go. No, it just it, and, and when did they get married? You know, it's, right. She's in college, I assume. The picture looks like it was taken the following Tuesday. Oh, yeah. These photos look like they were all done within the same, like, block of time. They just were like, all right. Jack Palance looks more and more upset as they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's two other things that usually happen in these movies. Here's the next one. Norm Robertson becomes a cop. Is as another one of these dumb things that would happen. No, here's the one that I was hoping for. This guy's been obsessed with these things, and like the Jack Palance, he's been obsessed with cop shows. Jack Palance is trying to educate him, like even though it's funny, it's like he says, like it's one of those jokes within a joke where it's like, oh, TV show cop and real being a real life cop are two different things. As he sits there and gives this dramatic monologue, oh, oh, his, he's so his, his, dumb. Uh, his John McClane Die Hard Four monologue, right. Eat a lot of meals alone. Yeah. The, just, your name is Jake Stone. Right. You are literally a TV cop. But what I was really hoping for at the end is like, Norm is like, or usually what you see is like, the guy who thinks, who lives in the fantasy of these things that he loves, when he comes to the reality of it, like, it's pretty grim and it's not what I thought it was. Like, there needed to be a moment at the end where it's like, being he a cop. Shot. Yeah. And it's like, this is not, like, the obsession needs to end. There needed to be closure with the obsession to where it's like, I have encountered this and now I've realized, like we were talking about earlier, this is clearly getting in the way of me being not even a decent father, a decent husband, decent human being. Really. By the way, I don't even know what job he does. Like, it's this caricature he, of we all work in a call center, we all get up to leave the same. He works in Yeah. And, and, he, and he's humming police music or police TV show music and, and I think it would have been a lot better. It's like, how do you make this story smaller? Like, it's like that's where the real magic could come from. It's like you just eliminate the diner bit, eliminate all oh that, my God. make it be a problem that he has with his boss, you know, or because like th that's what Suburban Commando did with it. It's just it's just a problem with the boss, right. and he can't stand up to his boss. He can't ask for a raise, or maybe it's a coworker who got a promotion over him. It's it's like yeah, because I still really don't know what he did for work. Like 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 what was it? Um, Clark Griswold always did. Uh, what was it? Did, oh, Dairy. What the? I can't think of his job, but I always knew that job. He's like, oh, Dairy Preservatives. That's what it was. And, and and it was a weird job, but it's like it's still like something. Like here, it's just I just go here and then I eat my lunch in my little brown bag, and and yeah, like I think it would have been really interesting to like have neighbor characters. Yes. You know, like. Like with them trying to keep it a secret from the neighbors, you know, and and, and them possibly blowing it because they never really explain how Robert Davy just gets this house. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> like oh yeah, like they could have done what the Burbs did. He just he just murdered whoever lived in that house. Right, he just took it. Like like that would have been kind of cool. Like because the movie has a the movie kind of borrows from tons of things. It borrows from the the suburban commando type. It borrows from the Burbs. It borrows from Fright Night even. And, and it's like, oh, the next door neighbor's up to something. And 
we never really like I never really feel in danger for the characters. Like even though Robert Davy kills that guy in the beginning, which I think is the lone uh, death in the film. Like we never really feel like he's a threat. And it's simply because of for me, at least for that 15 minute sequence where he just comes off as a complete idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's a movie that attempts to do everything and it does absolutely nothing. Like, it's, oh, yeah, there's so much like there. there and I, I looked, there's only one credited screenwriter, which makes me think there had to be un, uncredited people playing with this thing. Cause, or maybe people took their names off. Of or they took their names off, yeah. Man, it's... Yeah. What was the budget on it? Because you said it made eight in its first weekend. What was the budget? Oh, I don't... I, I want to say it was about 20. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, makes uh, sense. and uh, this... Yeah, God, because I remember, I remember Dad coming home with this movie, and... Uh, it's, I mean, like I said, it's it's pretty bad when you're about eight or nine years old, and you know that the movie's not good. Yeah, yeah, because like this movie was not fun back then, and then, so then ten years later, I think I found it in the five dollar bin at, at Walmart, and I was like, okay, watched it, hated it. <laughs> then I watched it for this, and I, I've never disliked this movie more than I do now. And I'd hate to see what it would look like ten years from now, <laughs> you know, or just I just completely just rip my hair out at, at how frustrating this movie is. And I guess the reason I think the movie's so frustrating is because it is such a good idea. It's an idea that never really gets old, and because it, it combines a lot of things. It's a it's the suburban movie. It's the family movie. It's a buddy comedy. It's a redemption story. Uh, it's a cop movie. Like it, it covers a lot of ground. Unfortunately, this movie covers too much ground. And doesn't quite have a narrative focus because, like, th- like the reason the movie feels for me at least so long is because there is no logical progression of plot. Right. Like it starts off okay. Like here's the family going to you know work. Every, everyone's going to work. Everyone's going to to school. And then you get Jack Pounce taking Chevy Chase like into the police station, telling him what's the story. And it's like okay. And then the movie just doesn't really know what to do after that. Like that's about as traditional for me as the movie gets in terms of this type of film. And I feel like this is one of those movies that, you know, Roger Ebert used to always say, oh, they should just remake the bad movies. I would absolutely love a remake of this movie. I think that would be a great idea. Of course, maybe not call it Cops and Robertsons, but, um, you know, like, like to reformulate this idea just a little bit more. Because this, this is, like I said, this is the kind of movie that you don't see much of anymore. And I miss this. I, I do miss this type of movie. And maybe that's why I keep giving it a chance. But, like a movie like this, I think would 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 be very if you wrote it correctly. Like this could be a very well done movie. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd be into a, a comedic version again uh, of this. Oh, what do you mean? How about a comedic version for the first time? I, I mean, it's it's just I, or I yeah. I mean, I think of Gran Torino when I think of this. Like this is how this could be done very well. The stranger that fixes things. But is actually observing things that are going on from, you know, the other side of the street or next door or something like that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, Walt's uh, not an idiot. Yeah. I mean, you you pretty much need to just start from scratch. Don't just leave like start from scratch and make this. Like, you, you could probably make something decent out of this. I don't know nowadays like where this this almost feels like like this the shelf life for this is regulated to directed digital because. Yeah. I don't know if a movie like this comes out in theaters right now. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I'll tell you another narrative trope that they missed out on. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll steal this one from, well, I guess uh, Suburban Commando and Uncle Buck. In a weird way, the family kind of helps him, too. And 
That doesn't really happen here because there's nothing really for Jack Palance to fix. He's not an alcoholic. He's he's addicted to cigarettes, but that's just kind of brushed over. You know, it's like they, they, they don't make him reflect on his life in any kind of real way. They they attempt in, in a way with that Chevy Chase scene by the truck, but it doesn't amount to Jack. It doesn't do anything. Like, right. literally. Right. But I think that was a missed opportunity with the movie. But, like, Uncle Buck is another great example of, of this type of film done right. Yeah, it is. No, that's a good example. Yeah. 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 Well... Anything else you want to add to it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I figured you'd have a questionnaire for me or something. Dude, like I I, I kind of wove them in like as we were talking, like because there there are just some things like like observations throughout it. You know, again, like I the man is insane. Like his wife is equally insane with just her thought process of how to, you know, how to <laughs> how to help my husband here. Well, I'll demean well, him and then I'll just try to screw him. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was watching Policewoman. Well, like, that's another thing, too. Look how many freaking main characters there are. The two cops, Chevy and his wife, and the three kids. That's seven characters. That's seven protagonists we got to worry about here. It's yeah. too big. Yeah. It's way too big. You know, it's just like, there's too many people to freaking care about. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, God, like, it should have been, it could have been much more condensed. Like, uh, uh, give me the vacation movie or the... Palance Crystal movie. Like I think that that would have benefited the film far better, and we wouldn't have had to deal with City Slickers too. All right, well, one to ten. How about it? One. It, one. It's a one. This is garbage. This is terrible. This a one. This is terrible. If I ever see another one like this, man, I'm just like I. I'm just gonna have to hit the reset button in my life. Oh God. <laughs> one. Holy cow. Oh, um, well, I'm going to give it a, I don't know why, I'm going to give it a three for uh, a year that we love and, and just always talk about for how much, like, how great film was, uh, probably should have gone with honors. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> they cannot all be winners and this is right. a big, big loser. Big Granted, loser. I don't think it's as bad as nothing but trouble. Uh, the other Chevy Chase 90s comedy that's just an absolute disaster. But yes, this is certainly just a big bag of, well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so that mercifully wraps it up for Cops and Robbers. Next month, May of 1994, we are going to be looking at Beverly Hills Cop 3. And maybe have the same kind of conversations Chevy Chase about Eddie Murphy and <laughs> Saturday Night Live bound. So, in the meantime, check us out on Twitter at Real Change Pod. In the meantime, I am at CM underscore Stabs. And I am at William Rankin 83. And we will see you next episode, May of 1994, for Beverly Hills Cop 3.